So good morning and welcome to Radio Days Africa 2016. Um, yeah. It's really great to see such a, a strong turnout this morning. Um, I'm sure there will be others who will join us as time goes on, but it's a great start. Um, so welcome particularly to those who have come from far. Some have come from overseas, from Europe, from North America other parts of the continent, um, even other parts of South Africa. Uh, so a really warm welcome to you all, and I think it's going to be a great couple of days. Um, I just uh, first want to ask um, Professor Tawana Kupe, our Vice Principal, to say a few words, um, and then uh, Nadia Bolbulia from the National Association of Broadcasters, who have been our long-standing partners in this venture, uh, just to say a few words in welcome. Tawana. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sam. Uh, unfortunately, due to the I'm not there in a few weeks. It so happens that I'm on leave, so I have a lot of time in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so I've made a Castro Day speech. Yes. I did take some classes in Cuba when Castro was president. And he taught us to say as much as possible while saying as little as possible. transform this uh, place, if you like, from a former marketplace. So these were host tables in the past. So the temperature was meant for tougher skins than <laughs> But I guess, I guess it will warm up as we go around, as the day progresses, and that your discussions will warm you up. I would like a, a so, so it's a very, well, well, very warm welcome, <coughs> especially to those who have come from uh, other continents that are not necessarily the mother continent. <laughs> I would like to do something which I like doing these days. I like changing things around. I see the hashtag for this conference is radio will not fall. That sounds a bit negative still. I think we must change the hashtag to at radio will thrive or at radio lives on. So why do you use the official hashtag of the conference? When you sign off your tweet, please say at radio will thrive or at radio lives on. <laughs> Because this is actually true, and in my long speech, you will get to know why. <laughs> I, I get, in my job, I get to open many conferences. I, and, and some of these conferences I absolutely know nothing about. So last week, I opened a <laughs> conference on nuclear something, something. So I had to address these nuclear physicists. I think I got off well. They cleared politely when I left. I'm more comfortable addressing this conference because I happen to be a an academic in media studies, so I do study a bit of radio. But I actually also listen to radio every day. And I have a radio on in my office, unless in, even if I have a meeting, unless if a person objects. If you think I'm lying, there's a person sitting by the second window there. She had a meeting with me, and the radio was on. She's very polite. She couldn't quite hear what I was saying <laughs> because of the loudness of my radio. I finally turned it a little down. I don't turn it down. If you go to my office now, it's still on, waiting for me to come back. But also, I happen to be the chairman of the Voice of its radio station, which is broadcasting from outside, and I've been interviewed on radio countless times. When I sat down, the, uh, the lady sitting over there came to me and said, well, you don't know me, but I've called you many times to have an interview with you. 
I also, uh, as a student, well, happened to be my first radio interview was when I was a university student, and it was on the BBC, actually. So yesterday, after finishing my Castro-Long speech, I walked down to the, shopping, uh, er, to the shopping mall in my area. And lo and behold, I bumped into the person who first interviewed me on the BBC, a woman called Fiona Lloyd. She worked for the BBC for a long time. She said she's not coming to this conference today because she's doing something else uh, on campus. I would also like um, to say the following. Thank you for coming to this conference. You could have chosen to go somewhere else and do something much more useful, but you came to this conference, which is hosted by our journalism department, which I think, and I say this not because I'm an associate member of the department, but I think from many objective factors, I think it's one of the leading, if not the leading journalism department in South Africa. It used to be the leading department in journalism in South Africa was at Rhodes University, where I taught, by the way. So I'm not like just dissing them. But we just overtook them, and we're now the leading journalism department in South Africa. We also, and this is a marketing pitch for something else you must attend later this year and next year. We run the Investigative Journalism Award, which has the largest cash prize. We also run the, the top and only conference. Uh, you can tell that my English is bad. How can you say top and only conference? If it's the only one, it can't also be the top. Let me say, the only conference on investigative journalism, which is called Power Reporting. Some of you do come to Power Reporting. And we have won the bid to run the Global Investigative Journalism Conference in 2017. And we didn't bribe anyone. <laughs> that is true. Given it's an investigative journalism conference, it would be highly ironic if we bribe someone to actually get the conference. So please uh, apply when the application is open to come to that one. And as, you, as you already know, Radio Days is the leading conference on radio on the continent. And second only to the only other radio conference in the world, that's true, right, the Radio Days Europe. There are a few others, but... Yeah, but they, they don't register on the radar screen, right? Yeah. This is the second leading uh, radio conference in the world. <laughs> the conference is a project of our own very unique Vitz Radio Academy. Again, one of its kind in South Africa and Africa and on the continent. And... The interesting thing about our VIS Radio Academy is that it offers much-needed practical training on a range of issues in radio, from management, audience research, programming, all of that. And training in this area is very scarce. Not, not all universities on the continent and even in South Africa emphasize training in radio. Then also, what's interesting about the VIS Radio Academy is it also offers theory courses on radio, something which is lacking globally. Uh, around the world. What has happened in the world is that for some strange reason, training in journalism and media theory and theory in journalism neglects radio. There's a focus on print media, television, online and digital media, and people leave out radio, which is a critical medium in the world, as I'm going to say in a short while. So our academy is very interesting also that it interacts with a key and critical emerging sector in radio in Africa the community radio sector. Community radio is vitally important for Africa's future. And our radio academy has taken upon itself the responsibility to offer training and support to those areas. And I think France has extended that training, for example, to a few countries on the continent, particularly Zambia. And also, charity always begins at home. 
if you go to, and I hope you check them on a tour of the department, if you go to our, to our journalism department, the Radio Academy is a separate unit of the journalism department, but it's located close together with Voice of Vits, a community radio station. And they have a complementary and symbiotic relationship, which is extended to the rest of the community radio sector across uh, South Africa, and we would like to extend it across the continent. That is absolutely vitally important. Without those supportive mechanisms, radio falls through the cracks, if you like. Now, Franz Kruger here is the director of the academy, and he deserves a huge credit for this, the innovations that I just spoke about. He's a very humble guy, so allowed he, should, he would want not to be mentioned. He would like all of his achievements to be only mentioned on his tombstone. I always <laughs> embarrass him by mentioning it on, in public. It is useful also to point out that he has a track record as, a, as, a, 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 as an innovator in the radio space, having been one of the architects of turning the SABC into a journey public broadcaster from the state broadcaster it was under apartheid. You might say perhaps my statement, given what's happening these days at the SABC, requires some bit of a revision. Is the SABC going backwards or not? That I leave for another day. There are colleagues from the SABC here. I hear the man in charge, oh, oops, the chief operating officer <laughs> at the SABC, Mr. Shaudi Mutsoneng, might grace, his, might grace you with his presence later on. You might want to raise those questions with him. If uh, the SABC goes backwards and becomes a state broadcaster again, <clears throat> I'm very happy to second France back to the SABC <laughs> to lead part of the efforts that the colleagues are leading there to fight certain things. Now, you also, I say to you that we need to change the hashtag. You might want to ask me, why do you want to do that? Why is the best hashtag for this conference, Radio Thrives or Radio Will Thrive or at Radio Lives On? As you know, radio has the largest audiences on this continent at least. Radio reaches the largest audiences because it uses cheaper, more affordable technologies and less reliance on electricity. I mean, on this continent, whether you like it or not, radio is king. Nobody, newspapers, television, and other media don't reach as much audiences as they do. So this is the mass media in, 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 in our context. And I understand also in other continents, for example, in the US I've been told there is a revival of radio. And I think in Europe itself, radio has always been a key mix of the radio menu that people and audiences actually enjoy. But also in, on the African continent, radio uses the greatest diversity of languages compared to, say, print, television, or online platforms. There is no medium that reaches people in as many languages on the African continent uh, uh, as radio. So again, it's a, a key, and, and language is key in this continent because of the low levels of literacy. People understand things much better in their own languages. And we know from the educational field that if you want to augment formal class teaching, whether it's university level or primary school level, using radio is a, 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 a great gain. Also, since the early 1990s, something happened in Africa which is a, a quite dramatic. There's been an explosion of particularly commercial radio stations, FM radio stations, and also community radio stations. If you study the history of radio in Africa, you will see a very distinct sharp difference. Before the 1990s, very few com commercial radio stations. Post-1990, as part of the huge democratization wave, 
there was a flourishing of com commercial FM radio stations, largely urban-based, but also reaching other areas. Then also an emergence of the community radio sector. So, and, and so radio has been at the forefront of the democratization of the continent and a key factor in um, sustaining democratic e efforts on the continent. You will recall, um, I know you people are very young, so you might not know this. Those of us who are old enough, like myself, we know that before the 1990s, the key method in some parts of Africa, especially East, Western, Central Africa, of changing governments was through military coups. And the military coup was always announced on radio. And you got it through a programming change. Suddenly, there will be some particular kind of music. And you knew that that was the announcement of a change of government. But post-1990, radio has taken a different role you know that if you want to get the correct election results from any election where they might be rigging on the continent, the best source of your news is going to be independent commercial uh, radio stations who often do their own independent counting and tallying of elections. The Ghanaian election in 1992 was a great example. Where, in fact, some community radio stations went to counting stations and allowed the, of the polling officers to announce their results live and direct onto the radio station. So many people could hear the results, and anyone who wanted to rig or, or announce a different result it was sorted in that process. I mean, radio has not been only important in Africa in the post-1990s for democracy. It's been key in developmental agendas. If you talk about the Millennium Development Goals and the Successor Goals, one platform that has been used by people chasing development in Africa is radio. And also people, you know, running campaigns on HIV, AIDS, female genital mutilation, environmental sustainability, gender equality, have used radio as, the, as a key platform because it reaches quite a lot of those people who live in the rural areas. Now, I've said already that uh, FM radio stations and community radio stations have been key to providing alternative democratic voices and alternative news to the official megaphones of state radio. It is true one must not just point a rosy picture. Some community radio stations and indeed some commercial radio stations have also played an inglorious role on the African continent. Rwanda is a case in point. The, in the RTML in Rwanda, especially based in Kigali, was key to promoting the genocide that happened in 1994 in Rwanda. And nearly a million people were there. Um, a, couple, a month or so ago, I was at the World Economic Forum in Kigali, and I went again to see the, the museum, you know, the museum that they built in Kigali. And if you go through that museum, again, you see there's a section that, is, um, that shows the role of RITML in inciting ethnic hatred, hate speech, hostility, and general negativity, and being used as a mobilization tool. So one mustn't paint a rosy picture just of radio. There are those dangers. And I think in your conference, it will be very well worthwhile, while celebrating radio, to talk about the ethical uh, issues that might arise out of that. Now, of course, you might say that I'm a Luddite. I mentioned all of this about radio, seek to talk up radio and seem to ignore the very fact that the world has changed in terms of media technologies. What about the rise of digital technologies, platforms, and related matters? I don't think that is going to kill radio. And by the way, there is a history 
of people in, in media having doom, doomsday scenarios. So when TV emerged, people thought that radio will die. When digital media or online media emerged, people thought that that was the end of newspapers, radio, and others. The truth of the matter is something else has happened. There is symbiotic influences and dynamics between the different mediums and the technologies. What's interesting about radio is that people in the radio space are actively taking up the new digital technologies and platforms and reinvigorating, rethinking, and revisioning radio, and also, in a sense, moving with the times. So I'm absolutely happy to be saying that radio will thrive, it will live on, it will adopt and adapt the digital technologies and platforms and actually live on. I need to say this because I've seen one or two people in this room who know me in a previous life. When I ran a conference on the internet in Africa called Highway Africa at Roads, and then I didn't say anything I said about radio, they might say, this guy is a true politician, depending <laughs> on the platform that he speaks on. He talks up one medium over the other. Even then, and I've checked my speeches, I did say that we were hyping too much the rise of digital media, the internet, and online media, and failing to see the convergence and the linkages between different media platforms and different technologies. So, 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 so I'm being consistent. Now about your conference agenda, and I can assure you, I'm not four, four hours away from stopping to speak. I'm only three minutes away. <laughs> Now, at this conference, which I'm told, and uh, 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 this testimony to his court, we have over 60 speakers and over 200 delegates. I think that is absolutely fantastic and wonderful. Conference is going. And I understand uh, you will address the following issues. Oh, I want you to address the following issues on about radio lives on and radio will thrive. I think don't ignore the policy and regulatory issues that affect radio on the continent. Although I spoke up so glowingly about the rise of commercial radio stations and community radio, the situation is a little, can be precarious. In many countries, it's still very difficult to get a license to start a commercial radio station, a community radio station. So you need to talk about those policy and regulatory issues because they bar the rise of radio. And in many countries on the continent as well, licensing and regulation is still politically biased. You get a radio license or, 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 or a radio license if you are liked by the powers that be. So democratizing the policy and regulatory space is absolutely very important. Then, of course, the issues of freedom of expression, editorial, and programming independence. Host country shows, the, the drama that's happening at the SABC, and here I'm not saying who is right and who is wrong, but at the center of that drama is questions of editorial independent editorial and programming independence. You can't have managers <coughs> yanking off programs, not allowing certain people to speak, not allowing certain panelists to be allowed on and so on. Managers must keep a distance from editorial and programming decisions. Those belong to journalists and to programmers and to producers. So I think uh, find some time to talk about that because it is still true that what we need in Africa as well is genuinely independent public broadcasters that uh, answer to the public interest, not to powerful political, commercial, religious, social, or a combination of interests. Public broadcasting is for the public and not for those in government or in the ruling, in, in the ruling political parties. Then, of course, I think in this, uh, and I'm certain this you will speak about, 
you're going to talk about how to produce innovative, innovative programming that satisfies the needs of different segments of audiences as a way, of course, of sustaining democracy, promoting democracy and development. And also, I think related to this, two things are important in my view, is that you have to talk about how to do, to, to, how as a, a person in the radio space, how do you connect with, grow and sustain audiences? And what forms of research do you carry out in order to do that? That's absolutely very important. There are many people who get radio licenses and try and run radio stations. But their ability to link their programming to understanding audiences and continuously researching audiences, not just as numbers for advertisers, but as people actually want to consume content that empowers them, is very weak. And often those radio stations actually fail. And that puts the radio station into the space where it is commercially, not commercially viable and also not financially sustainable. Those are important things. Commercial viability, commercial commercial viability and financial sustainability uh, uh, will keep radio thriving. Of course, I hope you will not fail to discuss, as I said, the importance of research and research beyond research needed to try and persuade an advertiser. Then training. Training of the current radio players is very important and a new generation in the changing radio environment. I think that there are, I see here, and I've been introduced here to a number of veterans of radio. And, and broadcasting in general. But um, like me, you are getting on in age. And there is an end, typically. You need to impart those gigs before you leave. Because we need a new generation to keep radio thriving and for, for radio to live on. And as I said in the Rwanda case, ethical issues are very important to ensure that radio dis doesn't become a weapon of mass destruction and destruction, as we saw in the genocide. So allow me to add my word of deep appreciation to the partners and sponsors of this conference, this unique conference, I must say, and wishing you the best of this rich program, lots of networking, relationship building, and celebration of At Radio Lives On and At Radio Will Thrive. Thanks very much, Tawana. Well, that was Castro Light, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm relieved to find, to find. Nadia, do you want to say a few words? Morning, everyone, and welcome, especially to our guests who have traveled some distance to be here. Um, I think we need to, of course, congratulate Franz Kruger and his team for bringing us together again to explore, debate, analyze, and focus on all things radio. And thanks to your team, France, for putting radio at the center of media discussions today, as um, Professor Tawana Kapwes just reminded us of the continued transformation and convergence of the media and the landscape. Um, I think given the really impressive lineup of speakers, practitioners, experts, and Asian provocateurs, the next three days uh, are bound to inspire in and, and innovate. I think we need to begin to reflect on the narratives carried by the media in the context of the current socio-political and economic developments. It was pretty scary waking up again this morning to bombings in Turkey. Just a few days ago, we were all discussing Brexit, and it was quite ironic to see that, the, if you go by Google Trends, the top two questions that were raised were, what is the EU? What does it mean if we exit? and that was post the referendum. And one begins to question, what is it that radio has been doing in terms of education, information, entertainment, etc. 
Just to pick up on a few of the issues that Professor Cooper has already um, discussed, and because I work for the industry uh, body, the National Association of Broadcasters, that represents all three tiers of broadcasting in South Africa, which is the public, commercial, and community tiers. Some of the critical policy shifts that we're experiencing, and they significant game changes, I think, in the environment, if you've just seen the SABC's response to ICASA, which is our local regulator's recent review of local content, where the SABC is exceeding those conditions quite significantly and substantially, and obviously shaking up what's happening in the industry. Um, on the audience rating front, uh, you might be aware that in 2013, the NAB decided to resign from a body called SAF, which does audience and currency research, to create its own broadcast research council, and you're going to be having the CEO of the BRC talk to those issues a little later in the program as well. Um, we've also had to deal with significant shifts from different departments um, within government looking at issues of advertising and the limitations of advertising. So we are bound to see limitations on the advertising of unhealthy foods, which we see as a global issue as well, as well as limitations on alcohol advertising, of course dealing with the scourge of alcohol abuse in our country. So we find that there are many shifts policy changes that impact on the viability, sustainability and feasibility of broadcasting in South Africa. And it really is about broad, how broadcasters are able to respond to those changes. Um, the, the landscape is, of course, changing consistently in the face of um, growing online communications, growing uptake as radio begins to uh, begin to use online services complementarily and supplementarily. We're seeing a lot of radio stations pushing us to their online websites. We see a lot of stations telling us to look at the audiovisual clips, and so there's a lot of integration happening. It's no longer just the talk. It is about the visual as well. And I think that what we're going to be seeing in the not-too-distant future is a huge review in terms of broadcasting policy. In South Africa, we just went through an integrated national ICT policy review. And then, of course, for those of you in the know, you know, our ministries, our departments decoupled, and now the broadcasting, uh, the Department of Communications is going to do a total uh, review of, of the broadcasting policy. So when we talk about the continued growth, and yes, radio must continue to rise and grow, there are quite a few challenges that are on the horizon, and I thought I needed to just share that with you specifically for South African broadcasters, but I'm sure that we're seeing a lot of changes globally as well. To particularly welcome, of course, um, the um, experts that have flown in um, from the UK as well, it's lovely to have you here, uh, to really welcome our African colleagues, um, to say that this is an opportunity for us to engage, to debate, to continue to challenge, to begin to question the role that we play in this landscape, but above all, to find opportunities to network, um, to collaborate, and as, as Professor Cooper said, to continue to see radio rise. So welcome everyone. Well, thanks very much um, uh, to those two um, uh, welcome uh, speakers who have not just welcomed you, but also set the scene, which I think is really useful. Um, some of the issues, some of the challenges that we'll be talking about. So from my side again, once again, uh, a real, really warm welcome to all of those who've come from far. This is the seventh edition of the conference, um, which is quite extraordinary, actually, if you think about it. Uh, the first time we had it in a little venue on the other end of campus, and we've grown uh, quite significantly. Um, as you know, the program is structured across three days. Today is a more mainstream um, day. Tomorrow we look at particularly focus on issues of public service, 
community as well as public service broadcasters, the last day we look for the really exciting, innovative, new things that we can focus on. So I want to ask you to, to, to do a couple of things over the next couple of days. First, debate. We've got panels and issues. I think this morning may be quite um, heated from time to time. Learn. We have a couple of master classes scheduled, which you'll find on the program. Connect, um, which is, of course, the networking that uh, people have spoken about. Particularly this evening or at the end of the day, we have drinks at 5 o'clock here. Um, please join us for a drink then. And be inspired, I hope, here, there and everywhere. We're always looking for examples of new things that we can talk about for next year. So if you're doing something interesting, let us know. And finally, tweet early, tweet often. <laughs> so thanks from my side as well to all the speakers, to all of those of you who've come to attend, to the, so to the sponsors. Um, and partners in various ways. Um, and then thanks also particularly to, to our organizing team who've done a remarkable job. So the theme for this opening session is hashtag radio won't fall. I take your point, Tawana. It wasn't intended actually as the hashtag for the conference, but as the theme for the conference. And of course, as you know, we're alluding here to fees must fall, which was the big campus protest movement which took place last year. Um, starting to some extent, starting here and spreading throughout um, the country. Um, but we are saying radio won't fall and it will thrive. I think that's, um, that's, uh, we, that's something we can assume. Um, but uh, what I think we can do some, take, take some time discussing is exactly how it changes, what happens, what it looks like as time goes on. And that's really what we'll talk about. Uh, we'd like to focus on our, our context here, the South African and the African context. Um, uh, Professor Cooper has highlighted a couple of things that are specific about, um, about the, co the continental situation. Um, I think one of the things that would be interesting to hear some more views on is how mobile impacts on radio. I remember being told some years ago that one of the real selling points for Nokia phones was if it had an FM receiver. I'm not sure that that's the case still, but certainly Africa is the mobile continent and it's the radio continent. There's the history of state broadcasting, which is so dominant um, on the continent. And as, as Tawana says, there's, a, you know, there's an opening of airwave, airwaves in many, in many countries. Um, I've done some work recently in Zambia. Some colleagues from Zambia are here. You go there and everyone you, you meet is starting a radio station. It's quite extraordinary. Um, yes, we're planning one in the, in the western province. No, we're doing it. We're going to do one in the north. Um, so there's huge growth, I think, in, in various countries. 